Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Psalm 14, verse 1. The fool, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. Their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned aside. They have together Become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Will evildoers never learn? Those who devour my people as men eat bread and do not call on the Lord. There they are, overwhelmed with dread. For God is present in the company of the righteous. You evildoers, frustrate the plans of the poor. But the Lord is their refuge. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When the Lord restores the fortunes of his people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to bless the reading of this word and bless our time together considering it. May the hearts of us all be open and the strength of God be outpoured in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I wanted to read through the whole psalm because most people are familiar with just the first verse. They're only familiar, really, with the first verse. The fool has said in his heart, or says in his heart, there is no God. It's funny that because um, many times uh, people from secularist groups uh, who make a real point of saying there is no God, they get very angry because uh, religious people have festivals and you know like Christmas and Easter and you know special days good Friday of the year and they and the atheists say well you know we haven't got any special day for ourselves we should have a a special day for atheists and uh, which people said well you know there is April Fool's Day uh 1st of April and that's the normal reply the fool says in his heart, there is no God. But in the next 20 minutes, I hope that I can show you what this verse really means. Because this verse is not actually about atheists, as you might have thought. And I'm going to ask you a question today, and ask me a question today, and everyone listening to us, on the internet, are you 
an atheist or not. Now, for many people listening to this, their immediate response will be, no, of course I'm not an atheist. I've downloaded a Christian podcast or I'm sitting in a church. I'm not an atheist at all. I believe in God. But what's kind of really interesting is that this verse is nothing about, and this psalm, is nothing about really whether people believe in God. And it's possible to be a Christian and a kind of an atheist all at the same time. And I hope after about 20 minutes, you'll see what I mean. One of the most remarkable things about atheism is that it's actually relatively new. The way we think of atheism today, we think about people who have made a a choice, either intellectually or emotionally, that they do not believe that there is a God. But let me tell you today that actually that definition of atheism has only been around for about 200 years. It's only been around for about 200 years. In the Bible, and in the days of the Bible, there was no such thing really. Very would have been extremely rare to have found a person anywhere at all who didn't believe in God or gods. Everyone believed in a God or in gods. And in the Bible, an atheist, now this is it, it's coming, you ready? Here it comes. An atheist is not someone who doesn't believe in God. An atheist is someone who lives as though there isn't a God. And that's not the same. That's not the same. In the Bible, everyone accepted the reality of the spirit world. When Paul went to preach to Jews, they believed in the God of Israel. But when he went to preach to the Greeks, they believed in all sorts of gods. They even had a a statue, a monument, didn't they? To the unknown God. And they built that in case they missed one out. That's why it was thrown in. It's a bit like preparing an extra meal in case someone else shows up that you haven't prepared for. So they prepared for the possibility there might be another God whose name they didn't know. To the unknown God. So in the Bible, people did believe in God. Everyone believed in God, sometimes in God's. So what is David talking about when he writes about someone who says in his heart there is no God? He's talking about someone who lived their life as though there were no God. And that's what an atheist is in the Bible. So here's my question. Are you an atheist or not? 
Because can you see that it could be possible? It could be possible to even attend church. It would be possible to believe that there is a God. But from the day-to-day running of one's life, to behave and live as though they were not. Are you with me? So atheism is a problem for me and you. It's a battle. It's a challenge. Not, a, not to do with what we believe, but how we behave. In a philosophical discussion, a man once wanted to tell someone else what they believed in. And his opponent, the man he was discussing it with, said, Don't tell me what you believe in. He said, Tell me what you do. And then I'll tell you what you believe in. You follow me? Don't tell me what you believe in. Tell me what you do. And then I'll tell you what you believe in. Psalm 14 Let's have a real good look at this uh, psalm. This is the uh, this is what the psalm has got to say about the way that an atheist conducts their life. Now, once again, just so I don't court controversy here, I'm not talking about intellectual atheism. I'm because there are many, of course, there are many atheistic people who are who try to live a good moral life. I'm talking about the way that someone behaves as though there isn't a God. In fact, even this word fool in the Bible, whenever you see the word fool, it doesn't quite mean what we have in the English language today. And many of the Bible versions will have a little footnote in to say that the word fool doesn't mean a silly, you know, uh, crazy person. It means someone whose morals are corrupted. Who live a life that is not in any way to be envied. And so what he is, what David is saying is, the immoral man or the immoral woman, how can they live an immoral life? They live an immoral life by saying in their heart, there is no God. Or by saying in their heart, I will not be judged for this. And can you see that that could be a danger then for you and me? That there are times when we will be in the presence of God and love God and talk about God and praise Him and enjoy Him, serve Him. But then there could be other times in our life where we make decisions based upon the idea that actually God's got nothing to do with this. This is all to do with my pleasure, all to do with my temporary enjoyment, all to do with what's just in front of me, nothing to do with eternal consequences, just about me. Now, suddenly, I'm God. Now. But on Sunday, he'll be God again. But now it's Monday, now I'm God now. The fool says, not in his head, but in his heart, there's no God, I could do what I like. There are no consequences. I'm not going to be judged for this. I'm not looking for a blessing from above. I'm just looking for earthly gain. 
now. And all of my lusts and pleasures and desires must be fulfilled. I'm God. You get the idea. So the question is, is Peter Cavanna an atheist or not? Am I an atheist? Or do I believe in my heart that there's an ever-present God to whom I must give an account? See? Okay. You got the idea? Let's look at some of the things that happen. Atheists in the Bible didn't disbelieve in God. They merely behaved as though there was no God. And I've given an example here, Psalm 73, which is amazing. Psalm 73 is worthy of preaching on all by itself. But in Psalm 73, oh, why don't we turn to it? We're in Psalms, aren't we? Just flick over. I wasn't going to do this, but let's quickly do this. Psalm 73 is about a depressed worship leader. Psalm 73, the psalm of Asaph, Asaph. He's a worship leader in the temple. And he's on a downer. And it says here, surely God is good, but then verse 2, but as for me, my feet had almost slipped. He's not talking about the pedals, Alan. He he means uh, it morally slipped. I nearly lost my foothold. For, For why? Why? Because I envied the arrogant When I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Verse 4. They've no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. The inference is that his wasn't, you know. Uh, They're free from the burdens common to man. They're not plagued by human ills. It's like saying, I'm a worship leader. I'm supposed to have a good life. But when I look at all these people who aren't worshipping, they seem to be having a better life than me. You know that? He's, he's, He's in that place. My feet had almost slipped, he said, because here here I am serving God, doing what's right. But the people who aren't doing what's right, they seem to be richer than me, healthier than me. Something's gone wrong. Something's gone wrong. But what's amazing, as you look at this, picking up in verse 10, Therefore their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say this, these are the arrogant, the people who weren't serving God, the people who were away from God, says this. They say, how can God know? Does the Most High have knowledge? Uh, The point I'm making is, even these people away from God, they knew there was a God. They knew there was a God. But they lived as though there wasn't. All right, flick back to Psalm 14. That was a little detour. So let's look at this psalm carefully, slowly, for just a few minutes before we uh, move on today. Number one, what were the ways that they expressed their atheism? Number one, in Psalm 14, was vile deeds. Their deeds, they are corrupt. Their deeds are vile. How can you know if someone is a follower of Jesus or not? Can you know it by the songs that they sing? Can you know it by the size of the Bible they're carrying 
Can you know it by their ability to recite the Psalms? Well, that's a good place to start. But what we learn about the atheists in this chapter is that they were performing vile deeds. So that's the first thing, in no particular order. That was the first, that's the first thing that the psalmist mentions here. When people live as though there is no God, and I need to say once again, of course there are people who, who believe in standards and morals, who don't have religious ideas. So I'm not speaking against that, but what I'm saying here is, one of the ways that they expressed their atheism, it wasn't by writing blogs on the internet about why there's no God. It was about the vile deeds that they performed. Now I want to ask you today, just a big burning question. I know it's strong stuff, but anyway, here we go. Sometimes you've got to have strong stuff. Can you say amen? amen. Say amen. amen. Sometimes you've got to have strong stuff. I want to ask you today, who are you really? When everyone's not looking, who are you? When you're not in, on public display, who are you? When you haven't got people looking at you, when you've got no one to try to impress, who are you? What's going on inside your head? What are some of the things, fellas, men here today? Let me talk to them. What are some of the things that are going on, fellas, when no one's around? Who are you? Who are you? It's possible for Christians to find themselves embroiled in vile deeds. And you can sit here and say, I don't understand it. How, how can this be possible? I've been coming to this church for thousands of years. I've read all the books. My bookcase is full of Joyce Meyer. How can this be happening to me? About that was for the ladies. Probably not too many of the men have <laughs> Joyce Meyer. All the men are going, who? I want to tell you now, for everyone here who has a deep, dark secret, a secret you that you don't want anyone to see, I'm telling you now why that person exists. It exists in the realm of atheism. It exists in the realm of saying in your heart, there will be no consequences for behaving like this. It's vital for us. In all the enjoyment of the good news of Jesus. In all the, the thrill and the joy. And I've said for years and years, the church should be the happiest place on the planet. And it should be. We believe in fun and laughter and joy and grace and forgiveness and understanding we're all fallen and we're all on the journey. So in the context of that, we also need to say this. 
If you've got vile stuff going on in your life, stop it now. Stop it now. Because it's not going to help you in your life. It offends God. It's going to hurt some people. And there are consequences. You can't play with fire and not be burned. And so, not in a sense of God's going to throw you into hell. I'm not talking about that. Because we believe in the blood of Jesus. But there are some things that could be going on in, in secret. That aren't secret at all. Because God is everywhere. And you think it's secret, but it's not. Vile deeds. And I say this with love and with compassion. I say it with a degree of humility because we're all human here today. But God, in the midst of all the joy, in the midst of all the grace, in the midst of all the good news, the Bible says this, God commands everyone, everywhere to repent. And some of the reason why there are Christians not able really to progress in their faith is because, as you know full well, they have one foot in the kingdom of God and another foot in the world. And it's an awful place to be, I'll tell you why. Because when you're sinning, you can't even enjoy it. Because you've got too much of God in you to enjoy the world. Yes? But when you're in the presence of God, you can't enjoy him. Because you've got too much of that stuff going on in your heart as well. Why is it you think Jesus said, I'd rather have you hot or cold? It's better actually for everyone concerned. A lukewarm Christian can look hot with the saints and look cold with the sinners. Can wear a different mask each place they go. You know what? Hear me. Hear me. Stop it. Bring it to an end today. Go home from this place. And I'm, I'm talking today, and I, I'm talking today in the most serious and strongest of terms to maybe one or two people in this room with some very deep, dark secrets. You say, well, I want God to talk to me about it. All right. Here it comes. Stop it. Stop it. You're living like an atheist. You're a fool. You're saying in your heart, there's no God. You're like a little community camping on the Mount Vesuvius, knowing full well any day it's going to erupt. Stop it. There should be no vile deeds. In the kingdom of God. Second one. On our list here. Is prayerless lives. Verse 2. The Lord looks down from heaven on the sons of men. That's an expression meaning human beings. To see if there are any. Who understand. Any who seek God. They have turned aside. They have together. Become corrupt. I don't have this on my notes, but it's very interesting that people who live in a corrupt way also 
can find other people who live like that. They have together become corrupt. Jane brought it to us a few weeks ago, but I want to bring it to you again. From the word of God, it's a truth. You can put money on it. You can put your life on it. You, can, you should put your soul on it. Bad company corrupts good character. Wouldn't it be great if the Bible said good company transforms bad character? But it doesn't. It doesn't. So living on the realm of that good character will transform bad company, well, I don't know what Bible that's in, because it's not in mine. Well, the Bible says is bad company corrupts good character. It doesn't promise that it works the other way around. We are the light of the world. But in terms of our personal relationships, I choose my friends very carefully indeed. They say they have become corrupt together. But here's, here's the main point in verses 2 and 3. The people don't seek God. I want to ask you today and I want to reignite a truth. I want to tell you this. First of all, God's real. I want to tell you God's for you. And the purpose of God, listen, God doesn't just want to give you a parking space. You say, well, why do I say that? Because that is the primary prayer of most men and women uh, about their daily life. I wonder if we had a chart of all the prayers offered to God in the Western world. Like a little, you know, know, ten points for this, nine points for this. I bet you in heaven... The primary prayer being prayed across England. Lord, please, just a parking space. Now, I'm having fun, you know, but the angel Gabriel, there's another one, Lord. And what does the Lord say? Can't do it. Eight other Christians prayed it before you. No, one of the effects of thinking there is no God in your heart, living as though there's no God, is you stop praying. You stop praying. And we need to return not just to the place of discipline prayer, although of course that's a, that's a great thing, but actually even more fundamentally than that, a place where we believe that God will answer prayer. In the way that we heard just a few moments ago here. God answers prayer. And sometimes I think we, we have all been in that place where we have asked God for things that he wasn't going to do. And so we become discouraged and say, oh Lord, you know, uh, or, or oh my, oh me, that I asked for this, it, it didn't happen. And so you, you, you begin to, through your experience, think, oh well, I'll just stop praying about things because God's, you know, not, not doing these things. And then all of a sudden, you'll have an experience, we heard it today, but it's been in all our lives, where you pray about something and it happens straight away. And you realize, wow, actually, God is a prayer answering God. Why don't we make an agreement together today, as a group of people together, that we will return to the place, not just of prayer, but believing that God answers prayer. That God answers prayer. That if I ask God for things, 
he may well do them. And that's why I think it takes the same amount of breath to pray for a small thing as a big thing. So let's pray for big things. Let's pray for big things. Lord, please will you do this amazing thing for me. He says there's no one who seeks God. And seeking God is more than prayer, isn't it? It's, it's, it's that sense of being in the presence of God. Let me ask you today, are you an atheist or not? In the Bible, the atheist didn't seek God. Wasn't interested in the, in the presence of God. Now, I think we need to be careful of atheism creeping into our hearts. Number three, despising of people. In verse four, will evildoers never learn? Those who devour my people as men eat bread. Let's remind ourselves of what Jesus said. You cannot say you love God and you hate your brother. Now, I don't like that verse very much, but it's there. Not because I hate people. I don't think I hate anyone, thank God. I don't think I, I, don't think I hate anyone. I don't think I'm tempted to hate anyone, thank God. But sometimes I say, Lord, don't you know that you're a whole lot easier to love than my brother? It's, Jesus is saying, you know, you've got to love other people if you want to love God. I'm saying, Lord, you're much easier to love than other people. <laughs> much easier. And yet there it is in the word of God. Listen really carefully. Do you know what an atheist does? This kind of atheist we're talking about today. They're very unkind. They don't have a high view of people. It says here, they, they devour my people as men eat bread. And let's just use that, just that little example there, as men eat bread. It's very easy in a social setting, and let me just throw this out. Especially in a workplace. Especially in a workplace. That can become boiling pots of gossip and nastiness like you've never found anywhere in the world. Sometimes the nastiest place you can go is the communal staff room. Anyone know what I'm talking about? The Holy Ghost is not moving in there. A few demons, maybe, but not the Holy Spirit. Sometimes in a communal setting, as men eat bread, as people are enjoying, you know, some refreshment together, that can be one of the nastiest places to be. I love it when you go to a funeral and they say something like this. He never had a bad word to say about anyone. And sometimes I think, did he not go out? More seriously, don't you want that true of you? Wouldn't it be great if when they buried me, preferably after I've died, they said this, do you know what? He never had a bad word to say about anyone. No, that'd be great. And why? Because of theism, because of a 
of faith. Because I understand, or because you understand, or because we understand, that the way we treat people is indicative of the way we feel about God. I used to work in a place in Torquay, and every time I went in the staff room, they're just talking about another member of staff. And I tell you what, it requires the power of the Holy Spirit to keep your mouth shut. There's two things the Holy Spirit will empower you to do. One, speak. Two, not speak. Yes? It's one thing to have the Holy Spirit come on you and give an utterance of profound heavenly significance. It's just as anointed to keep your mouth closed in the staff room. Can you say amen? And I want you and me. Why don't we have a fresh resolve right now? We are going to be different. And people are going to say, do you know what? He won't, he, he won't do anyone down. And it's very easy in a conversation, you know, the boss, and you know, there's the workers against the employers thing. The word of God says, slaves obey your masters. Well, I'm not your slave. Well, it's good then, isn't it? It's better then. Slaves obey your masters, Peter says, not only to those who are kind, but those who are harsh. Greek word skolios, meaning perverse. So if slaves in the New Testament had to obey and honor their masters who were, who were harsh and beat them. The masters used to beat them. What's your problem? He won't give you Tuesday off. Yes? Come on. Are you with me today? I know you want Tuesday off. I know. But don't be an atheist. Don't devour people as men eat bread. Why don't we have kind things to say about one another? Kind things. Honoring things. And I want to give you this. Here's a challenge. The worst people treat you, treat them even better. Jesus said, love your enemies. Love your enemies. Do good. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those, the King James says, who spitefully use you. Do good, not just tolerate. I think we've got to the point where we say, I'm so holy, I'm not going to kill them. But the Bible says, do good to them. Do good. Get your money out. Oh no, now we go too far. Get your money out. Bless those who curse you. How are you going to bless them? Smile at them? It's not enough. Do good. Do good. And you'll be a true believer in God. You see. Be a true person who walks with God. From their heart. Not just their head. I know you came today thinking that you're not an atheist. But maybe sometimes we are. Number five. Living in fear. Or number four. Verse five. Living in fear. Therefore. They are overwhelmed with dread. Perhaps this is the saddest one of all. Perhaps this is a bit more of an encouraging one for us. But God's will is not for us to be afraid. Because thou art with me 
and thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He says, these people who have said in their heart there is no God, they live in fear and dread. Well, of course they do. Because <laughs> they feel they're on their own. And it's possible, isn't it, for you to say every day, Lord, I know you are with me, and sing songs, but actually in your heart, you believe you're completely alone. That God's not going to come through for you. Now, I know that throughout the Bible, it's really interesting that two things occur. Just watch this. Whenever God really shows up, everyone gets even more afraid. What's the first thing God says when he shows up? Fear not. We were just saying downstairs, we were talking about surnames. Now, my surname is Kavana, C-A-V-A-N-N-A. My surname is not Kavana. It is Kavana, C-A-V-A-N-N-A. Anyone else got a surname like that? You have to spell it out every time. Is there not a K in it? No. Are you sure? Am I sure? I'm 44. I've been spelling out this name for a long time. Can I put an H on the end? No. Please. No. Kavana, C-A-V-A-N-N-A. That's my life. Hello. My, I'd like to book the internet, please, for my new house. Kavana, C-A-V-A-N-N-A. It's good if you want to write me a check at the end of this, I guess. There one time, early in our marriage, I heard Jane on the phone to British Gas. And I heard her, yes, Kavana, C-A-V-A-N-N. So I've given this curse to someone else. Generational curse has passed over. Oh, did your dad used to do that? C-A-V-A-N-N. Yes, he did. Oh, you got a curse. No, I ain't got a curse. Just got a funny name. And it's like when God shows up to announce himself. He, he has to say something every time too. Fear not. Every time, fear not, don't be afraid. It's like he needs to wear a t-shirt, do not be afraid. Every time he does anything, don't be afraid. Listen, there are people who leave churches when God starts moving. Say, well, if it were God, it wouldn't be scary. What Bible are you reading? What Bible are you reading? Whenever God shows up, it's frightening. I struggle with the idea that people have a mighty encounter with God, and then one minute later they're having cake. I struggle with that. I think we should question that. Now, don't be afraid. We are going to have cake at the end of this. <laughs> Unless you're listening online. In which case, I'm sorry. When God shows up, he has to say, don't be afraid. But there are other times, listen, when you don't feel he's with you. And when you don't feel he's with you, he's got the same message for you. Don't be afraid. Yes? You see where I'm going? When God isn't showing up and you're feeling him all around you. Lord, I don't feel you all around me. All I feel around me are telephone bills, my car, a letter saying I haven't got the job. But God's got the same message for when he's very close and in your face. And when it feels like he's so far away, don't be afraid. For I am with you, even to the very end of the age. It's a long time, isn't it? It's a long time. And the final thing that 
this kind of atheism does is it takes away our concern for the poor. Verse 6, you evildoers frustrate the plans of the poor, but the Lord is their refuge. A man who really, a man or woman who really walks in the presence of God begins to care about needy people around them. Now this is very difficult sometimes because not everyone is my personal responsibility, yes? Otherwise we would quickly burn up. But God, I believe, will place deep on the inside a concern for those who are in need into the heart of everyone who walks before him. The sermon of all sermons is just one word long, and it's this, others. If you live as though there is no God, then your heart's movement towards needy people will be gone. Now again, I say it again, so I'm not misrepresented. Of course, there are people who have an intellectual atheism who give their whole lives to helping the poor and the needy of this world. I'm not in any way criticizing that. Thank God for people who do kingdom work, sometimes without even knowing the king. But now let me talk to you. Let me talk to me. Jesus said, whatsoever you shall do for the very least, you shall do for who? For me. When we walk with God, we see, listen, we see the image of God in others, you see. We are moved with compassion to help them because we have the compassion of God in us. And we see them as God sees them, which is his greatest creation. I was just doing a class this week. I teach theology now, you know. Actually, I chat a bit like this. But we were talking about how God has created the world, but the greatest creation is actually the human being. No other part of creation did God say, this is in my image. Isn't that interesting? Everything else he created from his imagination. But when he made human beings, he made them in his image. Now, I don't know what that exactly means. I'm not that clever as as a theologian. But that's a fascinating thought, isn't it? He created the zebra from his imagination. He created the giraffe from his imagination. He created the mountains from his imagination. He created Saturn from his imagination. But when he made you, he looked in the mirror and made you. Isn't that incredible? And when we walk with God, when we live as though in our hearts there is a God, then we see that creation in the face of all. In the face, forgive me, but in the face of the repulsive, the vile, 
we see the image of God. In the face of the downtrodden and the needy, we see the face of God. In the face of the pop star and the X-Factor icons with their stylists underneath it, there's the face of God. And they're just as needy as anyone, of course. But when we love God, we love the poor. When we love God, we love the poor. Jesus said, the poor you have with you, always. So the problems of, of need will always exist. We cannot change the world, but we change someone's world. A concern for the poor. So let me ask you today, are you an atheist or not? And the answer most likely will be, sometimes I am. Sometimes I am. Let me finish by reading the last verse of this psalm. Oh, verse 7, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion when the Lord restores the fortunes of his people. Let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. just want to say one final thing before we pray. As this psalm comes to an end, there's just a little added detail that appears in many of the psalms, but it, it does appear here. The name of Jacob appears. Jacob, of course, who was renamed to Israel. But Jacob is his given name, the name Twister, Deceiver, you know. The man who wrestled with God. And yet here, God speaks his name and then speaks his other name, the name given to him later, Israel, the prince with God. And it's almost as though as this, this wonderful psalm comes to an end, he speaks to these two characters, Israel and Jacob, and they are both the same person. One is the fool. And the other is the man, the woman of God. You can live a better life than the one you do. And maybe there are just a few things that we've been thinking about today. Repenting of vile deeds. Believing again in a God who answers prayer. Choosing good companions in this life. Rather than the corrupt. Caring for the needy around us. Closing our mouth when others around want to criticize people. And living as though God were near. That we might not be afraid of the days that lie ahead. I commend to you this psalm today. Don't be a fool now. But live as so though the Lord Almighty is your refuge. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org.
If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.